Oh, can you do memories from cats? No. For the longest time, it's time to record. For the longest time. There we go. It's time to put on makeup. It's time to light the lights. I, I think this I think this needs to be a thing. I think you just every week you need to send me a new little ditty and I'll just plug it somewhere into every episode. It works. It works. <laughs> yeah, it's much better than King Monkeys too, man. I mean, man. This is I mean, are are you looking for a permanent, you know, non-paying position? I have a few of those already. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is on his last offense. <laughs> Yeah, Simi's Simi's running an internship, so you're only paid an exposure when you work on the podcast. Right, right. Yes, but it's it's site appropriate exposure. Not and I you keep know. telling him exposing myself is not the problem. <laughs> I got that covered. But yeah. wait, and that's the problem. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, but I get it now. I see what I've been doing wrong. We are back in our continuing in-depth coverage of Outplay 2020 with our super special guest this week, as well as last week, and hopefully the next two weeks as well. Why don't you tell us, everyone, who you are? Hey, it's Belogan here. Oh, I think he said his name differently. Yeah, no, it's Behe Logan. 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 Yeah, Bologna. Yeah, I like Bologna. <laughs> no, but but I mean, I, I hate to be the one to correct you, but the official site pronunciation is Belogan. Belogan. That's right. Tell me how to say my name again. We'll get it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> say my name. You know who I am. Too hot. It's our musical episode, everybody. <laughs> that that's definitely what people have been asking for. <laughs> Yeah, more impromptu more singing. <laughs> oh man, we're always dancing. Yeah, the, the the number of dance numbers we include in this podcast has been consistent throughout. So at least that's one <laughs> part where we've never slacked off. We have never once slacked. No, all dancing all the time. Spirit fingers, man. Spirit fingers. And I have the random verb of the week sponsored as always by it's a verb and i'm gonna impose a new rule this week i'm gonna pick a die whatever die you want and roll it both of you and whoever gets a number that i like more has to give me the number give me the sentence ten three (laughs) well unfortunately three is a magic number (laughs) i learned that one as a child so your word this week is immigrate. Immigrate. Sorry, I'm often cautioned not to get political, and here we are starting right <laughs> off the top. It's it's not my fault. It's a random generator. I have zero control over it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It speaks, <laughs> I obey. And some, I assume, are good verbs. Okay. It's a verb, definitely isn't. <laughs> All right, here we go. Peter the Druid was more than happy to allow allow the rust monsters to immigrate to his protected lands. <laughs> I, like I like this. That. You you've yeah. also created a character that you're keeping going through these. 
I like it. I like it. It's much better than a trash bard. <gasps> no, that's oh, no. That's that's true. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. I don't have a leg to stand on in that argument. Once they have, don't worry, they'll eventually team up and I'll bring him right down. I will bring Peter <laughs> the Druid down to my level. Is this one of those hippie druids like we experienced early in, in our tenure here where they were growing the poppy fields? Or is he more more crumbly Eco- rather than eco-terrorist kind of deal yeah, yeah yeah more poison ivy like poison ivy yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd like to think he's flexible he can do a little of this a little of that as needed <laughs> yeah he can knock down the patriarchy and get high whatever exactly <laughs> oh we here at rpgx radio do not endorse drug use of any kind no matter how fun no no Well, we have been talking about Outplay in our normal, exhaustive, deep-dive fashion, and we have a subject matter expert here to help us. Last week, we covered round zero and round one. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. And this week, we're going to continue that trend of sort of using Outplay as the vehicle to talk about something, and we're going to segue into round two. So why don't you just tell us what you remember of round two, B-Dog? Yeah, so round two. So just to pick up for those who may have forgotten what they listened to last week, we have our... People love that. Recaps (laughs) are a thing that people love. Very sure. We have our adventurers trying to get into the Crossing Companions Adventuring Guild. They had their social round in round one where they had to impress a sponsor who would help them along their way. And those who continued on were brought into the combat round, which was round two. Ooh, dum bum bum. <laughs> when it comes to crunchy mechanics, combat round is always the one that that uh, shines and sticks out. Mm-hmm. As an organizer, it's both easy and hard. Uh, on one hand, you don't have to plan out lots of nifty, crafty twists and turns, and and uh, in-depth role playing and character development because it's all about swinging the swords and casting those spells and shooting the guns. <laughs> but how did they swing the sword? What was in their heart at the time that they pulled the trigger? I remember the first time I picked up a sword. My father <laughs> held my hand gently and said, Son, this sword is your heart. Protect it. It is. If you lose this, you lose our family's honor. It is only thing that matters in your life. Oh, I die as I am stabbed from behind by my co- humble servant. Oh, no. Avenge me, son. Run away. Spend 20 years in the jungles and avenge me. See, and so, so I swung. It doesn't have to just be a swing in a head, right? Exactly. Because exactly. we, what we've established is we know you like long, introspective, in-depth posts. What, Longer the what better. What place is better than combat for that, right? And, and you know, especially in the D&D rounds, they really stuck to that well, uh, turning it into a musical between every single round of combat. Nice. Everybody jumped in on <laughs> It's just a slash to the left, and then a stab to the right. Can't stab me now. Yeah, exactly. I'm moving at the speed of light. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that needs to be an outplay theme one year now. It's, it's, you're, you're in a musical. <laughs> Just remember that we've already trademarked RP Glee Crossing. Oh, yeah. I mean, we get 10% minimum of everything that you do from here on out. That's just how it goes. All of that sweet, sweet outplay money. Well, yeah, no, outplay specifically, but also you. I mean, I don't know if you read the fine print when I asked you to come on, but that that was in the contract. But you agree by appearing on the show that, I mean, 
we own you. That's okay. I hate to be like that. <laughs> well, get, get in line. I have a habit of signing things and opening emails without reading them. So. You got to get you got to get in line and talk to my bank first. <laughs> Oof. Don't, don't worry, now. we'll ring you out of everything we can. All right. Anyway, we we interrupted round two. Sorry. No problem. So round two is a bit of a challenge for combat for first level players because they tend to be squishy. So we had to have an approach of how can we keep this going for roughly five rounds of combat where it's uh, appropriately challenging for the players uh, and interesting. So I did what I usually do when I need a, an ingenious idea and something that works. I, I stole something old that we used That's, before. That is the tried and true so method of being a DM. This is mine. So I have a, a favorite monster I've used in a lot of my City of Endless Arenas uh, game. is a clockwork spider that we stole. And these guys are great. You can throw them out in mass numbers. They don't do a lot of damage. Um, they've got little rocks they can shoot, so your ranged characters are still threatened. And they shoot out little blobs of oil and catch things on fire. And when you do damage to them, the oil leaks out everywhere and causes big messes for people to jump in. That's that's awesome. So that's that. what we did on the on the D and D side, and and uh, it didn't take long for you know our frontline characters get covered with oil and we're burning on fire and trying to fight and keep the back <laughs> the second row characters out of trouble uh, on the shadow run side um they had drones and and uh, i'll admit i didn't do a lot of in-depth reading on the shadow run side being uh, one of the dms for the D side just keeping up with that but they basically had drones that they were fighting so kind of a similar premises of a, an appropriate uh uh, monster for them to beat up on that it wasn't some kind of sentient being that they might have uh, alignment mm -hmm. reservations about. Mm -hmm. And and if I'm not mistaken, Shadowrun presented an interesting challenge in that the way they do initiative isn't exactly round by round. There are multiple actions you take in order in a round if you have a high enough initiative. Did that come into play much in in outplay this year? Yeah, so let me tell you how the mechanics work with Shadowrun. Uh, Inveros would ask a question, <laughs> and I'd say, whatever you think's best, I have no clue. <laughs> Fair. I, that's yeah, a solid that, that's, mechanic. Yeah. <laughs> ask Inveros. That's, that's, that's the way it, Shadowrun <laughs> that's, works. That's work. I believe that's the text in the official book, if, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so the, yeah, the, well, maybe in the quick play guide. <laughs> the quick play guide. The quick play guide, yeah. The, the one major uh, a tweak and allowance we gave them is we, we let them have a separate post to do their initiative role um, that didn't count okay. into their hour time limit for creating their game posts. So they got a little more leniency with that than the D&D than the group did. Right. Well, and, and part of that, we as we found out when we were reviewing the system, is... If you roll over 10, you actually, that's how you get more than one action in a round, because you get a second pass, I think is what the actual terminology is, which is a neat way of doing it. I've seen that implemented in other things, but that's a very much a challenge to do in outplay where each day is supposed to be a round. Exactly, exactly. Does that mean that they get to post twice on that day, or is it something else? Yeah, so they would roll their initiative once. And then they would post their actions. And I don't think they did a separate post if they had another action later in the round. Oh, so if they got two actions, they just did they it all it at all the same time. Yeah. Okay. okay. Interesting. Yeah. So if you're a Shadowrun person or looking to run Shadowrun, then ask Emvros <laughs> is the, the go-to thing to do. And if not, then that there's a way you can condense things to make it quicker. Because we've talked about how combat can be the thing that kills a game in play-by-post. 
Yeah, it can be. It, it makes it fun when you have a game that's centered only on combat, but that's a, that's another topic. Oh yeah. Well, and and combat in general I found works as much it works much more fun in person because you can have that in-between round banter, you can work with people a little easier and it keeps moving whereas on play by post, even if everyone posts a day, that's still around a day. So it kind of feels glacial. But yeah, you have the the arena games which can be their own kind of fun. Yep, it's different different kind of challenge, but that's uh, you know outside the scope of outplay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stay on, tar- on topic at least a little bit. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's, that's all we do. We're, we're, we're definitely we definitely <laughs> do sure. nothing else on the show but stay on topic. <laughs> um. Oh, I had a question spawned by some of the, your your awesome points, and I can't remember most of them now. Okay, Monkey, say something. I am curious. Who came up for the idea for Outplay's combat specifically being a post a day? Or rather, what 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 is the what is the focus of that? Is it to try and limit the time span of the contest overall, or are you trying to is it specifically to try and create a pressure? Uh or a bit of both? Was there a specific rationale? in the very rapid for play-by-post pace for the combat rounds. So when it comes to questions of why do we do things in a certain way, um, generally these were established long before I ever jumped on the site. So my, my typical answer is tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I believe Ronars was the first one who ran the first outplay way back in the day in 2011. Actually. No, because I mean, I understand when you're trying to limit the the time span of a contest just for um, convenience sake, but I was wondering if it was sort of like the um, the uh, not quite military drill style, where it's suddenly like, boom, do the thing, do it now. If you're trying to cr- see how people operate under pressure, or if it was just purely out of expedience, I was wondering if there's anything. I guess spoken to in the the shadowy halls of the Reds, <laughs> beneath the cover of darkness, about that sort of uh, mental manipulation. Well, I can I can point to two changes that kind of happened with with the combat round this year, and one of them was with the format in general um, that we did last year a little bit. Was we shortened it from seven days uh, of competition to just five during the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and years prior to the Mega Dungeon, it was it was seven days, so you really had seven rounds of combat, and potentially more people are posted more often than that. The other thing that we did um, that was a little bit uh, controversial, um, but we decided to put a mechanical element uh, into the combat round, and we tried to have um, in the rounds that the round that followed as well a mechanical portion and then a judges vote portion to the to determine you know, how well did you do in combat. So to try to make it somewhat fair, uh, we divided up. Uh, the players by what kind of role we figured they'd fit in and then let them pick a role. Are you going to be a frontline character or a backline character? And then we gave them certain actions that could score them points for their specific role. So that would allow a character who wasn't a frontline character but would typically sit in the back and buff their allies or heal uh, to mechanically score well even if they weren't the one you know, doing all the, the killing blows and, and damage. So that works fairly well um i think in uh we do something similar in my city of endless arenas game where we have different factions that have different points so you have objectives and so we kind of stole that you know in the tradition of borrowing things that that work um we slimmed it down to just two roles and then 
threw that out there. Now, it did confuse players a little bit because they had to figure out, you know, which role do I fit in and then decide, am I going to do something because it's what my character would do or am I going to do something because from a metagame perspective, it's going to score more points. So there were some pluses and negatives to doing it that way. But it tried to make it a little bit less subjective and give away to grade how people did in combat other than, oh, I like this person because they, they did the most damage. Do you think part of the confusion and unrest, I guess, about it was because it was introduced, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was introduced as the round started, wasn't it? Yeah, so this was a, a foreign concept to probably just about every player that was playing um, if they hadn't played in you know the other game where we, where we used a similar system. So I think it threw them for a little bit of a loop based off of what they were initially thinking. Um, they also had the chance at the start of round two to buy some equipment and kind of plan ahead in that regard. And I forgot to cover that. So the, the sponsors for those who made it through uh, round one were given a certain amount of, of currency to, to buy equipment with. So they had to pick what's going to work for their character with a limited budget. Do you spend all of it on one magic item or do you spread it around and get uh, a couple different things and consumables? Uh, in addition to money, the sponsors, depending on which sponsor they had, would give them a different discount or free item. And then I don't know if the players were thinking about it, but you kind of had to look forward to knowing, you know, round three coming up as a skills round. Do you want to blow all your money on what's going to help you in round two? Or do you want to maybe get some things that will help you with round three as well? So there was a little bit of strategy uh, up front for that. And then we threw in the mechanic, uh, you know, picking your gear, jumping your first round of combat, then picking a role and trying to perform um, these actions. And um, it took a little bit for some of the players to kind of wrap their, their minds around, you know, the, this wording says this, what does it actually mean mechanically to, to accomplish that? And there were some disagreements because there's some common terms that we use. When we say an action that does X, Y, Z, well, we don't necessarily mean your primary action in D&D &D 5e. You know, we also have a reaction and a bonus action. We're just saying anything you potentially do that, that meets this aim. So um, probably a little bit of confusion because it was new uh, and the terminology and being thrown out. You got one day to, to cover it. Had we thrown that out prior, um, you know, they might have been able to plan a little bit, ask some questions beforehand. Uh, you know, so hindsight, 2020 on that, you know, things you could do to <laughs> and make it easier for the players. Yeah. Hindsight on 2020, right? Yeah, that's going to be a, a thing that definitely no one's ever going to make a joke of, right? <laughs> Never. <laughs> the first. I definitely it. originate that right here, right now at Burger King now. But yeah, I kind of, I always, whenever I run into stuff like that, where something's kind of thrown out or feels out of the blue, I almost, I always relate that to what D&D &D did with 4E. Because I was right there on the bandwagon hating on it from a quick overview. And I've come to realize over the years that really the reason it failed is because they just changed things and threw it out there. Whereas like Pathfinder did something similar recently with their second edition. It's a massive departure from what it used to be. But they introduced the pieces slowly, got feedback, got people used to the idea. And so there's 2E looks a lot like 4E in some ways and borrows even some mechanical things from that and 5E. But because they took the time to prep people, it wasn't at this, oh my gosh, 2E is just completely horrible. The designers need to go somewhere completely different and, and keep the old thing going. And I think that that's the feeling it I got when I glanced through some of the stadium stuff. Because I kept up with the stadium for a little bit. And I, I got some of that feeling from it. 
it was like, what the heck's going on? It's so different. This is horrible. What's going on? Ah! Was it like Edition Wars, but <laughs> for outplay? It was just, it was, it was new and confusing, I think, because they're trying to make a post and understand this new thing and not ruin their character while also maximizing their points. And it's, it's one of those things where you have a lot of new things all of a sudden, I think, and, and trying to balance all those pieces. Yeah, it's definitely an added level of complexity. You know, we, we tried to write the, the roles to where they would just naturally fit in what you were doing if you were, you know, performing uh, intelligently for yourself and your team in combat. But again, because it is a competition, people are trying to maximize it. It uh, turned into a little bit different animal than I think I expected. Do you think maybe, and, and you know, obviously we're just running conjecture here. Do you think maybe in future years, uh, a possible fix to that could be, okay, the combat round you can get mechanical points for one of these things as a major and one of these things as a minor and just have like a list of not actions, but potential outcomes or contributions. And they have to, at the end of their post say, here's what I think I did. And the judges can award those points or not if they feel like they have accomplished it. So that way people aren't hedged in by this role or this role. Cause I saw a lot of, uh, what I did actually fills both roles, but how do I pick which one makes more sense? Because I failed on this one, but I succeeded on this one. And unfortunately, the one I failed at is the one I said was my role. So mm-hmm. the real question is, has there already been talk about how to tweak that for next year to make it easier for everyone to understand and go with? I, we haven't talked about that specifically and, and whether or not the system I kind of threw in this year of 50% mechanics, 50% votes, I don't know if that will stick or not. Um, if it does, there will definitely be a fair amount of refinement uh, as other issues came up that we noticed. For example, we had one player who spent their money on buying armor, which gave them a high armor class, but then they missed out on points because they weren't getting hit. <laughs> one of the points you would get is if you got hit in the rounds. So that kind of oh. <laughs> counteractively worked to their, their disadvantage in that case. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 always something I, I actually really enjoy talking about how hard all this is to, to do, because I love knowing and I, I talked about this with with the Aquilina as well. I love knowing, you know, exactly what I need to do to get the points and finding a way that my character, how my character fills those roles uniquely or fills those slots uniquely. But I get frustrated when I feel like. I'm doing as well as another person and they're getting more rewards than I am. So I like transparency, but if you get too much transparency, it takes away what makes RPGs RPGs, that subjective nature of it. And maybe someone likes this approach a little better than this approach and all that. So I, I am a proponent of more transparency, but I can definitely see how hard that is to do in something like this. Yeah, I'll say we definitely have a lot of notes and things to address uh, for next year if we continue with that to be a little bit clearer, a little bit fairer. Are you planning to be a part of it in coming years as well, too? Probably. Um, We've got some ideas floating around about 2021, uh, what we might potentially do. And I don't want to give away too many spoilers yet. Um, Oh, definitely not. No, no. Um, you know, because nothing, nothing's been set in stone yet, but I've got some ideas floating around in the back of my head. Some of that comes from even things that uh, Simi, you had suggested in the, the oh, feedback cool. of of picking maybe a, a one simple rules light system and running with that. Tune. Cool. Tune. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I, I King, heard King you, Monkey I heard has been all tune. about tune lately. 
if you think about it, think about it. If you had outplay, but outplay is basically watching Looney Tunes or Merry Melodies, like just imagine you can't have long-winded, deep, introspective uh, posts about an anvil dropping on your head, and then the type <laughs> of birds that you see twirling around your head. Our players so could it, find a way, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. you, you don't you underestimate my power. <laughs> What class of nerd do you take me for, sir? Well, yeah, it's actually interesting you bring that idea up. I was I was going to talk about that in round in round four, but yeah, I I'm glad I'm glad there is there are notes already being taken. I I always wonder about how that looks on the backside. I think I think people who listen to this podcast who aren't judges would also love to hear that bit that you guys take notes from year to year. You guys are are working on it, and even though we joked about how oh well. You know, so and so kind of happened to sort of glance sideways at outplay, and now they're running it. It's way more intentional than that. You came in, you you picked it up because you had an idea. You know, as Nick as, as Nick Fury would say, there was an idea, and so you ran with it. And you guys are keeping notes on, hey, this worked, this didn't. Here's my, something we might try, and you take the feedback that's put out there seriously. And and I think. That's good for people to hear. I I got in trouble at work recently, and I said, because I was feeling frustrated, and they called me in. They're like, hey, what's going to help you? I said, I just need to know that when I come to you with a problem, that something's taken care of, that something is being done about it. Because if I tell you this is a problem and it keeps happening, then I feel like it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what I do. Yeah. Clear clear communication and then addressing concerns with appropriate That is definitely uh, something... We yeah. never bring up on this podcast. <laughs> we should maybe bring it up a bit more. <laughs> yeah, no, and I and I skipped over about the planning phase, but that typically is the first step: is to go read the feedback from the previous year and That's say, good. you know, what do we need to address here? What's valid concerns? What's sour grapes? What can we actually do something about? What's just part of the, the nature of the beast? <laughs> yeah. So you sort of discount the ones where uh, I think uh, the really the rule should be that I win. Yeah. yeah exactly. Can we play? Can we play the semi-win system? I'll, I'll be a player this year. I know I wrote this, but you should have had me do that because it would have been better. Most type of complaints. <laughs> well, and and that's that's an interesting thing. I was actually hoping to get more, uh, a few of the DMs more interested in in talking a bit because that's one of those things that I I am very curious how how they handle these things where something is nebulous and they have to make a call because they have to write the next post and you don't always have access to the player how do they go about making a call that they are comfortable with and how do they handle the backlash when inevitably someone's like that's not what my character would do yeah so we had an example that more than one uh in round two this year i had a character uh one of my frontline characters i think it was was gary and in his post he wrote up uh, as I recall, an action attacking uh, one of the specific creatures and then his movement and location. And then when you looked at his mechanical breakdown, uh, the location that he had himself moving to wasn't right. And so he couldn't have done this and then that. So I had to make a call. You know, you don't have time to go back and forth with the player. You've got to get your update out now so you can move on because you're on that tight crunch. So you have to make a judgment call. Um, usually I will try to rule in the player's favor and do what I think is the best action for them up front. And then I will let them know, you know, if this comes up, at least give me a contingency or you made the wrong move here. This is the way it actually is. Or I'm going to let it slide once, not again, uh, in some type of private feedback just for them. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a hard thing. And I, I'm so glad 
at least at, at the moment, that I don't have to make those calls because I am a I am a very permissive DM. So I'm always like, what makes you happy as a player? I want to make that work. And that's a harder thing to do in outplay where mm-hmm. you want to do that, but you have to keep it in a rules rigid, fair across the board way. So, I mean, again, hats off to you guys for taking that on and doing that for all of us rabble rousers out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. What um, what kind of bribes did you take this year? Like what uh, what quality or quantity are we looking at? Just in preparation for 2020. We want to know what our 10% is next year. I mean, I, I definitely don't have a new Tesla in the driveway, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it wasn't a Tesla. So if you want to win next year, guys, Tesla's the way to go. Yeah, that could be the benchmark, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something up to and including Tesla is the range. I thought that was a starting point, but. <laughs> oh, oh, that's a starting. Whoa, whoa, look at Mr. Big Money over here. Starting think big, point. Think big, yeah. yeah. He gets three Teslas. Like, I don't know, you guys. Someone's got to up it a bit. What? Can I get colored rims? Can I get spinny rims? I need rims. Can you give me a lighted yacht? undercarriage. <laughs> Did you have a, a specific, like, favorite moment of round two? You know, with uh, with with round two, the the things I always like is is when you see a player doing something and you realize, you know, mechanically they could do this. And do so much better. And then you see him grasp it like a round or two later. And you're like, there you go. Yes, thank you. About time. <laughs> Make that tweak. You know, use your familiar finally to do something. <laughs> um, yeah. I always, that and with the, the particular monster that we use, I always get a kick out of it when the players discover that they're going to be on fire. <laughs> and everything's going to burn up. And half their post is about how their hair is burning and their clothes are burning and they're trying to clean them off. Typical yeah. Wednesday, I'm on fire again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember when I was a child and I was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the three-paragraph reaction to being on fire. <laughs> Sorry, are you standing there and saying this aloud while you're burning? I... I, yeah, I always love imagining like the real-world counterpart to those intensely specific and long combat posts like this happens over 10 seconds and some it's just someone sitting there reminiscing about this memory it's and they always end with and all that flashes through their mind in a moment like no you know what it is you know what it is (laughs) it makes me think of uh early 2000s x-men comics by chris claremont where as they're in combat in each action they've got this huge speech bubble where they're like detailing their actions their feelings and what they're going to do next like out loud and it's like you don't have time like the action that's depicted here doesn't match up with the sheer volume of text that i've got to read on this panel doesn't work (laughs) oh man i just had something else i was gonna go with and i don't remember it now it was probably gold and now it's lost forever it, it was definitely gold or platinum even gone forever <laughs> yeah and i'll say i'll say one thing as a dm that, that i appreciated was the characters or the, the players that made a very detailed uh, out of character section explaining all of their mechanics and putting everything out where it was clear to read where i didn't have to mouse over it to see it um and then i could figure out the mechanics and know what's going on and then go back and kind of read the, the role-playing thought to figure out okay what's important what do you respond to and what don't die because I'm, I'm prone to miss those details and if mm. you're mixing your really important mechanics in the middle of a monologue, there's there's a good chance I'm going to miss it. Mm. Well, let me let me ask you about this. This is one thing that 
they they continue to do year to year and i i'm not sure if it if it works for the the competition itself is the the need to embed the roles into the post is there has there been a discussion on creating a mechanics thread or was maybe shadowrun's initiative thing sort of a a secret beta for trying that idea out well this wasn't the first year we had shadowrun it ran in 2015 as well um and they never gave them uh that advantage of, of doing separate roles um it's one of those things that that is kind of tradition uh and that's why we stick with it um personally i have mixed feelings for it i mean for me it's kind of like giving christmas presents we only do it once a year it's important so let's just keep doing it do you guys but you um you guys discuss that sort of thing like if you have a personal preference have you addressed that and do you like reach a consensus or uh the last couple years i don't think it's been a point of discussion in in the planning phase it's just kind of this is the rule it's worked in years past yeah some people don't like it but it's one less thing to worry about let's move on to the the parts we want to talk about. Yeah, I guess I guess I can see I can see how it's easier to to keep doing it, but I, I will say as as someone who's been in outplay on and off since the beginning, that's one thing that I've I've never been a fan of personally, because I need to know what my results are before I can write oh, what yeah. I do. Yeah. And if I don't know that, then that all of a sudden I have to make a post and outplay and I have an hour to get whatever I'm writing done, done. And I, I totally cheated on that my, my first year in 2015. I was playing a druid, uh, you know, go figure. And uh, he had conjured a bunch of animals and there was no way I was going to fit in all in one post. So without even asking, I just did it. I put my, my combat roles in one post and then wrote up the, the rest response in a separate post. No one said anything about it. Didn't get in trouble for it. So I'm like, okay, I slid that one under the table <laughs> this one time. <laughs> Yeah, it's and but I understand it. It's it's a hard thing to do because the more threads you add to things, that's more places people have to look for things. You can't necessarily just quote it as would be the easiest because that throws up an error, and then you have to either go and double check that they didn't cheat it or just trust. And yeah, I mean, there is no easy correct answer. I think, unfortunately, <laughs> as much as I argue that a mechanics thread is the way to go. I, I will admit that it's not a all solves all problem or issue. You know, some players, even after being on the site for years, still can't do a hyperlink correctly to a specific post, but I know they can figure out. Yeah. <laughs> See, and I'm the opposite. I can do a, I can do a specific link. I struggle with INUM because it just I never <laughs> use it. I don't like it. I I if, if most DMs will, will say, Hey, you can put them in your post. I'm like, Can I have a mechanics thread? <laughs> please and i and i, I do that in all I my can't. games as well you know so i understand it's not normal um i think i think that the biggest reason why we use it is to keep everything in that hour time limit in one post whether it's a combat round or a skill check um and then using inum just so that it stays a little bit cleaner with only having the result visible on screen as opposed to the full die roll and that's that's my understanding why we do it that way and it makes sense it's not the only way i'm sure there's plenty of arguments for it there's plenty of arguments against it you could do like a, a field set in a spoiler button, just roll your di roll your dice, and then go back in and edit uh, outside the field set, and just like have your <laughs> or put it in a tooltip based off of a, <laughs> yeah. a field yeah. set in a spoiler button with a tooltip inside of that, and then you use secret text for anything that's not true anymore once the dice are read. 
And I don't know how many times I had to scream it out that like, <laughs> hey, if you got to do INUM, put it in a tooltip. It looks exactly the same. If people don't look at the yeah. code, they'll never know. But no, no one ever that, does that. They just come complain. That's usually oh, I what forgot. I do. It, I always cheated it that way. I just made it a tooltip every time because I was like, I'm going to screw this up and then I'll get dinged for that. No, not playing that game. It's, it, it's We're going to do an INUM or a tooltip. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. Cool. Any Any other last thoughts on round two? Any last words? <laughs> Any final words before we end this? <laughs> yeah, so that, that was round two in a nutshell. We threw some new mechanics in, threw everybody for a loop. Um, I still think we had a, a great time, some good musical numbers uh, this year. <laughs> we'll see if that continues or not. Please don't. And uh, <laughs> You know, and that, that leads us up. Once you get through the combat round, you know, things get, things get real once you, once you move past round two because the, the competition oh. starts to narrow down and you get to fewer and fewer players. Well, and the crunchier you get, the, the more people are scrutinizing everything because now the rules are exceedingly clear a lot of times or people think they're exceedingly clear and they have different interpretations. So, yeah, that's combat round is probably, I would guess, from a player's perspective, I, could, I would guess that's the hardest round for the judges because it's not as clear-cut as it seems like it should be. Yeah, exactly, exactly. As as a DM and a judge, it's it's very, very difficult to figure out who really did well and who didn't beyond just the writing because roles matter almost more there than, than any other round. Yeah, getting some lucky roles could really shift things around for you. So it's like a little bit of chance at that point too, eh? Well, and, and that's also a cool thing I saw in an early competition of Outplay. Someone died in the combat round, like first round or second round, but then they just kept role-playing like their afterlife scene or whatever. <laughs> their death-saving throws. <laughs> they made it to the next round, and I was like, that's incredible. They just kept pumping out the quality and <laughs> used their death to get them to the next round anyway. <laughs> I was saying today that I would like to... I would love to see someone like playing a character who dies and then just having continuing posts describing their character's body in the corner uh, and the <laughs> gradual states of decomposition, the events going on around it, you know, the bugs and the, the mice investigating it. Just, you know, nothing happening, but just keep going with the same thing all the way through. That's I would like it. <laughs> Am I planning to do that in 2021? Yeah, no, I tipped, I tipped my too hand. much work. Uh, too yeah, much work. That's true. That's fair. <laughs> We're taking a quick break from the live episode to hear a bit from one of the participants of Outplay, user Wishkaman. Now, unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we weren't able to have a back-and-forth discussion. However, she was kind enough to record some of her thoughts about the competition as a whole and her experiences through it. So. Let's hear from her real quick, and then we'll get right back to your regularly scheduled show. So I'm a bit of a newbie both to the site and also to tabletop gaming in general. I do have some experience with play by boast, so I thought it might be a good idea to play a variation of a character that I have forced to suffer through many traumatic existences for my own cathartic pleasure. Um, that's John Faraday. This poor guy is basically a bit of an emotional punching bag and drama sponge. He's always had some traumatic event in his life which drives him to guilt and despair and self-loathing. Uh, he's been a long-suffering doctor, a werewolf, a soldier, 
Uh, and this time he had the pleasure of being a depressed ex-detective slash fiend-packed warlock who may or may not have murdered his wife, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, I thought that playing a character I was very familiar with would be a good idea, but actually I think it probably worked against me in the end. The two main criticisms I received from the judges were that they couldn't quite pin down the character and that my posts were way too long, which they definitely were. Also that my formatting wasn't great, but that's an easy fix, right? I think by using a character that I had so much sadistic history with, I just had too much to say about him. It was probably also a bit too complex for the competition setting, which is in its nature brief and not ideal for a character who's putting on a front to disguise his mental breakdown, thinking one thing and then saying something completely juxtaposed to his feelings. Probably doesn't really give people much to go off and doesn't really make for easy reading snappy posts, which would have been better given the situation. That said, I love playing John like this and I would really love to play him again in a game. Uh, he had this horrendous schizophrenic relationship with his demonic patron, which was just way too much fun. At the end of the day, that's the reason I entered the competition, to have fun. Round one was the social round, so we had to play out a typical role play, that's role play situation with a couple of social roles chucked in for good measure. In this case, um, we're arriving as hopeful contestants auditioning for an adventurer's guild. It was a perfect start to the competition because it meant that everyone could sort of lay their cards out on the table straight away as the characters had to introduce themselves on a stage and talk about themselves. After that, we had to pick up, uh, pick one of the sponsors for the guild and try and impress them with answers to moral quandaries. Um, I feel like I got off to a fairly good start introducing Paul Faraday as this shifty, exhausted guy with something a bit sinister going on. I came fifth out of ten, so that's not bad if I say so myself. The round was judged on 50% mechanics and 50% peer votes, so there was no judging or feedback this round, but knowing how your character appeals to sort of the larger audience is just as helpful. So round two was the combat round. I was in a group with Strange2099, playing the other caster and comic relief Sebastian, Hotsusamez Kelsey, who was absolutely on the wrong side of the dice gods that week, and Piano Man 90 with their character Suguro. Suguro? As I mentioned before, I'm still kind of a noob to tabletop gaming in general, but I have to say that being with Suguro felt like a bit of a masterclass in combat. He really commanded the team and strategized well, giving solid advice throughout. Also, the way the round was judged was super informative in that sense. We had a clear scoring system laid out, which gave us points for sticking to a combat role, which I know a lot of people apparently didn't really like, but I, I thought it was quite good. So we had first line, which was basically tanking, taking and dealing melee damage. Second line, which was casters and ranged. And support, which everyone could take points for, for like healing and buffing and support role, basically. I mentioned before that Kelsey got a lot of roles, but I think that they really balanced it out well with good role play. Uh, reacting to the misses and building the character's frustration to a, ba uh, a breaking point in the last post. Sebastian, the other caster, was just like wisecracking the whole time, really lifting the mood for my boy, and it felt like they really came into their own in this round of the combat posts. So I really enjoyed this round, it gave me a bit of a turning point with my character actually, where he, Shugaro, and Sebastian were just sort of smashing it, 
Kelsey was there too, of course, uh, and he was just feeling like, holy crap, I'm actually doing something good here for once in my life. And for a little moment that something strange and magical happened and I actually toyed with the idea of him coming up good and maybe having a happy ending for the first time in his existence. But alas, I didn't get the chance to see where that would lead because I came extremely last in that round. That brings me to quickly chat about the out-of-character experience of Outplay, because there's a real sense of camaraderie between everyone participating across both systems. The stands, which is the out-of-character chat, is really friendly and supportive, and being in it made me feel like part of the community, which was also one of the reasons I participated in the first place. There's also a pretty hefty ego boost involved. Got a ton of RP XP, which probably made me feel a bit overconfident, to be honest. I was thinking like 50-50 I might go through, but like I said, I came way last. Uh, that's all good though, because the feedback I received made so much sense and now I have a year to implement it so I can come back next time and kick some ass and earn that shiny, shiny badge. I wanted to enter Outplay for three reasons, really. Um, most importantly, just for fun, just because it's fun. Uh, secondly, I love a good challenge. And thirdly, because I'm new to the site, but I plan to be around for a long time, so this seemed like a good way to engage in the community. I think it's really cool that the site runs contests like this, and that the GMs and judges give up their free time to run it, so heck yeah, I was going to try and get a piece of that. Also, I had a lot of free time, which is very important if you're thinking of entering. Outplay is intense. Each round requires one post a day for a week, with a one-week break in between rounds. That doesn't sound so bad, right? Well, you're wrong, because that doesn't take into account the hours you'll spend in anticipation, refreshing the page, waiting to see if your GM has posted, or if someone in your thread has posted, or if there are new posts in the stand, or in the rules thread. Trust me, it becomes a bit of an obsession. <laughs> Even in the week off between rounds, you're probably going to be waiting for the judges' results every day, or reading through the awesome posts in the other game thread. So it's totally a time sink, for sure. But let me tell you some of the best things about it. Uh, you get customized, customized feedback on how to improve your work, which is like the holy grail. You're going to make some new friends in the stands. I said before, the sense of camaraderie is really something. You can expect a big ego and RP XP boost, which is always nice. And you get to read lots of epic posts from epic player characters. It's really fun to read along and have your say from the stands, even once you're out of the competition. The worst thing about it is that my other writing absolutely crumpled under the weight of Outplay. There were also some real life factors, but when I wrote slow posting for Outplay in my signature, I really should have said no posting because I didn't post in any of my other games the whole time, not even in the weeks off. So be sure to let your GM and players know you're going to be participating. It's quite easy to get burnt out. So you asked about highlights and favourite characters. So let me just uh, drop a bunch of names here and hopefully not butcher them all. So there were so many good characters and so much great writing, it was really a joy to be part of Outplay. In Shadowrun, I took a real shine to Bova's character Simone from Round Zero. I don't know if it was like the London accent or what, but something in their style just really appealed to me. Likewise, uh, D.A. Aquilina's character Steps was just so spunky and so cyberpunk, he was just great for the setting, and they got the character across expertly. On that line too, shout out to Reba's Jennifer, who was a fan favourite from the start. Again, she just had such a distinctive voice throughout. And likewise, Ungainly Fool, with bonus, she was just masterfully written. I particularly enjoyed the gross-out challenge in round three, where she interacted with this creepy ghoul. There were a lot of highlights in round three, actually. If you're thinking of checking out some outplay, I'd recommend that round for some good reading. 
it gave the competitors a chance to shine by creating their own challenges. For some reason, I really enjoyed a lot of the eating and food challenges in that round. There was Fettberg's Colmo, uh, producing a gourmet sewer meal in a rusty tin can. Uh, Retries Gary, sampling some of the finest goblin cuisine. And I think it was Mifrandril's Rudy who had the, the drink the poison challenge. Great stuff. I also want to say that Inverness's final post was a real highlight, sort of rounded off the competition nicely on the shadow run side. I want to give props to all the GMs, actually, but I think uh, Infernos really smashed it. And everyone smashed it. Great, great work, everyone. A plus. Five gold stars. Well done. And, Belogan, why don't you tell us who advanced to round three before we transition to our last thing here? All right. So, in the D&D bracket, out of eight players we had four advance, in order of highest total combined score, first we had Piano Man 90 playing Shugaro. Next, we had Mithandril playing Rudy. We had Rayabir playing Jennifer. And Retry playing Gary. I'm sorry, I think you mean Ginnifer? Ginnifer. Ginnifer. Well, no, that's how you spell gin. So Listen. I, think it's, I think it's still Jennifer. <laughs> People slaughter my name. I reserve the right to slaughter everyone else's. <laughs> and continuing his lackluster performance, King Monkey, why don't you read who advanced on to Shadowrun round three? So if I'm reading this correctly, the ones along the top are the ones that con- uh, continued on to the next round. Green means go. Green means go. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I need to make a phone call. Do you, do, do you see what I deal with here? <laughs> we had the player Ungainlifoel, who played the character Bonus. Blackfyra as the character Tamara. Dequilina as the character Steppapas, and Fettberg, as the character Colmo. And that concludes round two of Outplay for us. We are moving on to our final segment, Adventure Assemble! Assemble the If I ever stopped to consider how easy or hard it would be for you, I would never get it out. I would never be able to finish that. I started that, and it's entirely unnecessary. So you know what? I guess that's all on me, isn't it? I do enjoy it, though. I think I think it adds something that we are missing. I like the music we had, even though Sophie complained about it. But it was that's partly what I liked. It was, it. It, was it was fun, but. This and it actually, actually, dimension. the the previous music that we got was from the original iteration of this podcast. So it was sort yeah, of yeah, like it was the original down from, intro music from RPGX Radio 1.0, right? And 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 typical treating everything with kid gloves and, and the respect it deserves, we toss that aside. Mm-hmm. And King Monkey put together a thing that I have to oh. cut just before it devolves into too much electrical noise. <laughs> Yeah. But it sounds good for a minute. That's a concern that I hear from pretty much on a day-to-day basis, that people <laughs> need to cut me off before it just devolves into pointless noise. But last time, we discovered we were taking, we discovered sort of a little bit of geography of the world. We haven't, everything's sort of been in its own place up until now. And mm. because of the terrain we rolled up, we discovered the land that the Poison Marsh is close to the broken lands uh, where the satellite crashed. And 
where we what we're taking our adventure this <laughs> month. Sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. Where the what was happening? Our, our adventure this month takes place in that land between where the two forces sort of meet and you end up with these large cracks in the land and the the poison water flowing into those cracks and revealing a cave system being dug out by these doppelgangers who we've realized have been spreading their fingers up among the governments and the organizations and just trying to get a feel of the world and see if how they fit into things right so we are going to figure out the random quest part of this adventure. Do you have a D10 handy B word? Absolutely. Awesome. Give it a throw for me and then roll it as well. All right. Solid green D10. Oh my goodness. We're going to get a five. It affects the quality of the roll. Everyone knows that it's not just dice. You have specific dice for specific purposes. Each colored die has a different power. Blah, 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 blah. All right. A priest named Anas seeks a company of adventurers, or, or whoever, to discover the fate of his daughter lost in, and this says archipelago, but we are going to go with the broken yeah. land abutment here. Yeah, it still acts as kind of like a chain of little mini islands. Yeah, oh, definitely. So it works out. I mean, it works out oh, really. It, yeah. Again, like people think we make people think we are planning this out ahead of time, which is ridiculous. We are not planners by any stretch, but things just kind of fit when you take some time and mm-hmm. put a little. Elbow <laughs> when you take some time it. and just randomize to your heart's content. <laughs> eventually, you throw enough at the wall, some of it sticks, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And go. now we have someone who can vouch that we don't do any of this planned. <laughs> no. So I think, I mean, that's that's pretty, it's pretty simple there. Normally we have to work to kind of fit it in. Now the question is, is the daughter, is it really his daughter? Or is it maybe a foster daughter? So she was actually already a doppelganger and she's been taken away. Or was she found out and taken away? Or have the doppelgangers taken her for some purpose? Maybe the doppelgangers are just on like an information gathering mission at this point. So they've they've captured her and they're they've captured her. She's their prisoner. They're not treating her poorly. They're trying to understand her. Their culture is very different, so they don't understand mm. that confinement is uh, upsetting to many people. Mm. Mm. So I think in there they would have sent a remote person, or like a not a, I guess a spy in her place again to gather information so he is somehow sussed out that his daughter has been replaced it's sort of like one of those horror movie things where it's like that's not my daughter i gotta say body snatcher movies are are among my favorite horror genre Uh, coming from you that means almost nothing because i've (laughs) seen what you watch i've seen high quality cinema thank you very much yeah okay B-Dog, you got anything? Anything you jumps out at you? You know, I think we, we get into this at some point. We find out Anas is also a doppelganger. He's been playing the whole time along. Oh. So they took her, not realizing she was a doppelganger. Okay. Maybe this priest either is a doppelganger and doesn't realize it, 
like maybe had a mind thing happen, or maybe he slept with a doppelganger and raised the kid and didn't realize it. Oh, I like that twist. Man, was, why can't you do anything like that, King Monkey? Well, I was actually thinking, what if there, what if there is a subterranean faction of doppelgangers, but there are also a surface-dwelling faction of doppelgangers who have been long cut off from their under under mountain kin? You know. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, because they some of them chose to go underground to avoid persecution, like the Mimic Town was mm-hmm. getting, and some of them decided to just take the form of people. And assume identities and just live out their lives as people. And both of them, they don't hate each other, but they kind of disdain each other. Like, oh, these those doppelgangers just can't abide people. While we can, the other ones are like, oh, well, they're just giving up who they are at this point. Yeah. Yeah, sort of different faction or sects within the, um, the doppelganger. I see you, you slipping some sociopolitical intrigue into this. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> But we will see how all that plays out with our random twist next week. And we will have our three adventurers. We shall Boy. see. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Insert inception noise here. <laughs> My mind is blown. <laughs> Any last words from either of you? That's the second time you've made that threat. any last words Uh, I certainly have no last words of any value so I'll leave it at that alrighty B word my mind's a blank at this point gentlemen alright well with that with that stunning revelation (laughs) we done goodbye So long. Farewell.